Part One, Chapter Eight of Doctor Doolittle's Post Office by Hugh Lofting. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part One, Chapter Eight: The Swiftest Mail in the World. So the doctor and Jip and Speedy the Skimmer sat down in the shade of the palm trees, and for the first time plans for that great service which was to be known as the Swallow Mail were discussed. Now my idea, Speedy, is this, said the doctor. Regular foreign mails are difficult for the Fantipo post office, because so few boats ever call there to bring or take the mails. Now how would it be if you swallows did the letter-carrying well said speedy that would be possible but of course we could only do it during certain months of the year when we are in africa and then we could only take letters to the mild and warm countries we should get frozen if we had to carry mail where severe winters were going on oh of course said the doctor i wouldn't expect you to do that but I had thought we might get the other birds to help—cold climate birds, hot climate ones, and temperate. And if some of the trips were too far or disagreeable for one kind of birds to make, we could deliver the mail in relays. I mean, for instance, a letter going from here to the North Pole could be carried by the swallows as far as the north end of Africa. From there it would be taken by thrushes up to the top of Scotland. There seagulls would take it from the thrushes and carry it as far as Greenland, and from there penguins would take it to the North Pole. What do you think?" "'I think it might be all right,' said Speedy, if we can get the other birds to go in with us on the idea." "'Well, you see,' said John Dooklittle, "'I think we might, because we could use the mail service for the birds themselves, and the animals too to send their letters by as well as the Fantipians. But, doctor, birds and animals don't send letters, said Speedy. No, said the doctor, but there's no reason why they shouldn't begin. Neither did people write or send letters once upon a time, but as soon as they began they found it very useful and convenient. So would the birds and animals. We could have the head office here in this beautiful island, in this animal's paradise. You see, my idea is, firstly, a post office system for the education and betterment of the animal kingdom, and secondly, a good foreign mail for the Fantipians. Do you think we could ever find some ways by which birds could write letters?" "'Oh, yes, I think so,' said Speedy. We swallows, for instance, always leave marks on houses where we have nested, which are messages for those who may come after us. Look, Speedy scratched some crosses and signs in the sand at the doctor's feet. That means, don't build your nest in this house, they have a cat here. And this, the skimmer made four more signs in the sand, this means, good house, flies plentiful, folks quiet, building mud can be found behind the stable. "'Splendid!' cried the doctor. "'It's a kind of shorthand. You say a whole sentence in four signs.' And then, Speedy went on, nearly all other kinds of birds have a sign language of their own. For example, the kingfishers have a way of marking the trees along the river to show where good fishing is to be found. And thrushes have signs, too, one I've often seen on stones, which means, 
crack your snail shells here that's so the thrushes won't go throwing their snail shells all over the place and scare the live snails into keeping out of sight there you are said the doctor i always thought you birds had at least the beginnings of a written language otherwise you wouldn't be so clever now all we have to do is to build up on these signs a regular and proper system of bird writing and i have no doubt whatever that with the animals we can do the same thing then we'll get the swallow mail going and we'll have animals and birds writing letters to one another all over the world and to people too if they want to i suspect said speedy that you'll find most of the letters will be written to you doctor i've met birds all over creation who wanted to know what you look like what you ate for breakfast and all sorts of silly things about you well said the doctor i wouldn't mind that but my idea is firstly an educational one with a good post office system of their own i feel that the conditions of the birds and animals will be greatly bettered only today for example some deer on this very island asked me what they should do about their nut trees which were nearly eaten up i showed them at once how they could plant seeds and grow more trees heaven knows how long they had been going on short rations but if they'd only been able to write to me i could have told them long ago by swallow mail then the doctor and jip went back to fantipo carried by the Pyphilosaurus, who landed them on the shore under cover of night so no one would see them and in the morning john dolittle called upon the king again your majesty said the doctor i have now a plan to provide your country with an excellent service of foreign mails if you will agree to what i suggest good said the king my majesty is listening proceed let me offer you a lollipop the doctor took one a green one from the box the king held out to him king coco was very proud of the quality of his lollipops made in the royal candy kitchen he was never without one himself and always wore it hung around his neck on a ribbon and when he wasn't sucking it he used to hold it up to his eye and peer through it at his courtiers he had seen white men using quizzical glasses and he had his lollipops made thin and transparent so he could use them in this elegant manner but constant lollipops had ruined his figure and made him dreadfully stout however as fatness was considered a sign of greatness on fantipo he didn't mind that my plan said the doctor is this the domestic males of fantipo after i have instructed the postman a little more can be carried by your own people but the handling of foreign mails as well as the domestic ones is too much for them and besides you have so few boats calling at your port so i propose to build a floating post office for the foreign mails which shall be anchored close to the island called the doctor only just stopped himself in time from speaking the dreaded name uh, uh close to the island i spoke of to you the other day i don't like that said the king frowning your majesty need have no fear the doctor put in hurriedly it will never be necessary for any of your people to land upon the island the foreign mail post office will be a houseboat anchored a little way out from the shore 
and I will not need any Fantippian postman to run it at all. On the contrary, I make it a special condition on your part that, er, uh, the island we are speaking of, shall continue to be left undisturbed for all time. I am going to run the foreign mail's office in my own way, with special postmen of my own. When the Fantippians wish to send out letters to foreign lands, they must come by canoe and bring them to the houseboat post office. But incoming letters addressed to the people of Fantippo shall be delivered at the doors of the houses in the regular way. What do you say to that? I agree, said the king. But the stamps must all have my beautiful face upon them and no other. Very good, said the doctor. That can be arranged. But it must be clearly understood that from now on the foreign mails shall be handled by my own postman in my way. And after I have got the domestic post office running properly at Fantipo, you must see to it that it continues to work in order. If you will do that in a few weeks' time, I think I can promise that your kingdom shall have the finest mail service in the world." Then the doctor asked Speedy to send off messages through the birds to every corner of the earth, and to ask all the leaders of seagulls, tomtits, magpies, thrushes, stormy petrels, finches, penguins, vultures, snow-buntings, wild geese, and the rest, to come to no man's land, because John Doolittle wanted to speak to them. And in the meantime he went back and continued the work of getting the domestic mail service in good running order at the post office at Fantipo. So the good Speedy sent off messengers, and all around the world and back again word was passed, from bird to bird, that John Doolittle, the famous animal doctor, wished to see all the leaders of all kinds of birds, great and small. And presently, in the big hollow in the center of no man's land, they began to arrive. After three days Speedy came to the doctor and said, All right, doctor, they are ready for you now. A good strong canoe had by this time been put at the doctor's service by the king, who was also having the post-office houseboat built at the doctor's orders. So John Doolittle got into his canoe and came at length to the same hill we had before gazed out over the pleasant hollow of the animal's paradise. And with the skimmer on his shoulder he looked down into a great sea of bird faces, leaders all, every kind from a hummingbird to an albatross, and, taking a palm-leaf and twisting it into a trumpet so that he could make himself heard, he began his great inauguration speech to the leaders which was to set working the famous Swallow Mail Service. After the doctor had finished his speech and told the leaders what it was he meant to do, the birds of the world applauded by whistling and screeching and flapping their wings so that the noise was terrible. And in the streets of Fantipo the natives whispered it about that the dragons were fighting one another in no man's land. Then the doctor passed down among the birds, and, taking a notebook, he spoke to each leader in turn, asking him questions about the signs and sign language that his particular kind of bird was in the habit of using. And the doctor wrote it all down in his notebook, and took it home with him and worked over it all night, promising to meet the leaders again the following day. And on the morrow, crossing once again to the island, 
he went on with the discussion and planning and arrangement. It was agreed that the Swallow Mill surface should have its head office here in No Man's Land, and that there should be branch offices at Cape Horn, Greenland, in Christmas Island, Tahiti, Kashmir, Tibet, and Puddleby on the Marsh. Most of the males were arranged so that the birds who migrated or went to other lands in the winter and back again in summer should carry the letters on their regular yearly journeys. And as there are some kinds of birds crossing from one land to another in almost every week of the year, this took care of much of the males without difficulty. Then, of course, there were all those birds who don't leave their homelands in winter, but stay in one country all the time. The leaders of these had come under special guidance of other birds to oblige the doctor by being present at the great meeting. They promised to have their people all the year round take care of letters that were brought to their particular countries to be delivered. So between one thing and another much of the planning and arrangement of the services was got through in these first two meetings. Then the doctor and the leaders agreed upon a regular kind of simple, easy writing for all the birds to use, so that the addresses on the envelopes could be understood and read by the post-birds. And at last John Doolittle sent them off home again to instruct their relatives in this new writing and reading, and explained to all the birds of all the world how the post office was going to work and how much good he hoped it would do for the education and betterment of the animal kingdom. Then he went home and had a good sleep. The next morning he found that King Coco had got his post office houseboat ready and finished, and very smart it looked. It was paddled out and anchored close to the shore of the island. Then Dab-Dab, Jip, Tutu, Gub-Gub, the Push-Me-Pull-You, and the White Mouse were brought over, and the doctor gave up his house on the main street of Fantipo and settled down to live at the foreign mail's post office for the remainder of his stay. And now John Doolittle and his animals got tremendously busy arranging the post office, its furniture, the stamp drawers, the postcard drawers, the weighing scales, the sorting bags, and all the rest of the paraphernalia. Dab-Dab, of course, was housekeeper as usual, and she saw to it that the post office was swept properly every morning. Jip was the watchman, and had charge of locking up at night and opening in the morning. Tutu, with his head for mathematics, was given the bookkeeping and kept account of how many stamps were sold and how much money was taken in. The doctor ran the information window and answered the hundred and one questions that people are always asking at post offices. And the good and trusty Speedy was here and there and everywhere. And this was how the first letter was sent off by the Swallow Mail. King Coco himself came one morning, and putting his large face at the information window, asked, what is the fastest foreign mail delivery ever made by any post office anywhere in the world? The British post office is now boasting, said the doctor, that it can get a letter from London to Canada in fourteen days. All right, said the king. Here is a letter to a friend of mine who runs a shoeshine parlor in Alabama. Let me see how quickly you can get me an answer to it. 
Now the doctor really had not got everything ready yet to work the foreign meals properly, and he was about to explain to the king, but Speedy hopped up on the desk and whispered, Give me that letter, doctor. We'll show him. Then going outside he called for Quip the carrier. Quip, said Speedy, take this letter to the Azores as fast as you can. There you'll just catch the white-tailed Carolina warblers about to make their summer crossing to the United States. Give it to them and tell them to get the answer back here as quick as they know how. In a flash Quip was gone seaward. It was four o'clock in the afternoon when the king brought that letter to the doctor, and when his majesty woke up in the morning and came down to breakfast, there was the answer to it lying beside his plate. End of Part 1 Chapter 8